It's a privilege to be with you once again, and I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. It's been a blessing being here, and I thank you for your kindness to us. Thank Alan and Faye particularly for their hospitality. God bless you for it, though that's going to continue on longer than these meetings. Keeping the greatest commandment. How many of you have kept the greatest commandment? You're doing well at that. And yet the second is our primary focus this evening, the second commandment. which is thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love the brotherhood. I have nothing new to share this evening. And we will probably retread some of the same territory you've heard for many years. You've heard over and over again. But that is fine. It is imperative, brethren and sisters, it is absolutely imperative that we get this one right. Do you believe that? Amen. And I must say I was, I was convicted as I prepared for this message. But I would share several verses as a basis for the message this evening. <clears throat> Obviously, our title is taken from 1 Peter 2 and verse 17, where it says, Love the brotherhood. In 1 Peter 3 and verse 8, <clears throat> and our brother read the verse from 1 Peter 1, But 1 Peter 3, verse 8, finally, all of you be, excuse me, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. And chapter 4, verse 8, and he says, and above all these, excuse me, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover a multitude of sins. And the Apostle Peter didn't just say have charity or have love. He said have fervent love among yourselves. And I don't believe this, this is this, the intent here. Is that we sweep sin under the carpet as is often talked about. But rather... It is love that enables us to interact with people that at times may rub us the wrong way. And charity, it is charity that makes that a workable situation in spite of that. And 1 John 4, and 
verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. How many of you believe that tonight? In Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Let love be without dissimulation, or let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. I would begin this evening with an inseparable couplet. An inseparable couplet. And that is command one. And command two. How many of you would like to dissect them this evening? To tear them apart? And I will tell you tonight that biblically you cannot do that. Because they are inseparable. When Jesus was asked the question, what is the first and the great commandment? He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And then he said, the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And you know what else he said? He said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Do you know what that means? Do you understand the enormity of what Jesus was saying? He said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And to us, that seems rather astounding. But all the rest of the law and the prophets and the message of the prophets to the people of God was barely a definition of what it means to love God and to love your fellow man. Do you believe that? Jesus said, this is where it's at. This is one and two, and all the rest is merely an interpretation of what it means to love God and to love your fellow man. And these two things, these two commandments are inseparable. Number one and number two. How many of you think, you know, just recently I... A brother said, I love God. Okay. That sounds good, doesn't it? And yet, as we'll see possibly a little later in the sermon, there were issues in his life that we could have called that statement into question. What does it mean to love God? If you turn with me to 1 John chapter 4 again. <clears throat> Verse 20. It says, If a man say, I love God... And you know this, don't you? 
I don't have to tell you, but I remind you of it. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, um, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this is the commandment that we have from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. An inseparable couplet. You cannot say, you cannot say that you love God. You cannot, let me put it this way, you cannot rightly say that you love God and do not love your brother. Number two, and perhaps you want to question me on my second point, but I would posit this. Love is the essence of true Christianity. Love is the essence of true Christianity. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and have and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am what? And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me what? Nothing. And so I say to you tonight that the essence of true Christianity is love. And by the way, you may say, well, um, what about faith? Is the essence of true Christianity faith or is it love? <laughs> Paul said, Paul said, now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity, right? Friends, I go back to what Jesus Christ said, that on these two hang all the law and the prophets. And the church of Jesus Christ... is always in danger of focusing on periphery and missing the very essence of true Christianity. Do you believe that tonight? And but one of the one of the, you look at the myriad of expressions of Christianity that there are in our world today, and part of the reason is because this individual focuses on that, that individual focuses on something else, and we get bogged down in focusing on periphery, and in the end we miss the very essence of true Christianity, which is love. Now, brethren, before you send me home, I will tell you this, I am concerned about 
the doctrines that we embrace. I am concerned about the things that, about how we think and that we think rightly. I'm concerned about those things. I'm concerned about our practices and that we maintain godly practices. But my friends, we must understand that if they become our exclusive focus, we can miss the very essence of true Christianity, which is love. And sometimes it seems like we hang tenaciously onto certain items and we, 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 you know, we've got to stand, we've got to stay where we're at. We can't let anything come in and I understand those concerns. But brethren and sisters, I'm also concerned that the people of God and the conservative Mennonite church, after all, may miss the very essence of true Christianity. And we can sit in services Sunday after Sunday, and we can meet together and make an attempt at worship. But do you appreciate that last song, Brother Franklin? Do you worship rightly if you do not love each other? Jesus said of the Pharisees, He said, You have omitted the weightier matters of the law. You have clung tenaciously to a legalistic application of the tithe. That's, those are my words. And you have omitted the weightier matters of the law. And you know what else Jesus said in that context? He didn't condemn them for tithing. He said, these ought ye to have done and not to leave the others undone. And so, as with the people of God in all times... There is a danger that we focus on things, and we should. I mean, brethren, preach doctrine. <laughs> and I would be a little hesitant to say preach practice, but, <laughs> but make applications to the Scripture. And I believe in that. I believe in that. But I also am concerned that we do not miss the very essence of true Christianity, which is love. The Apostle Paul wrote something to Timothy that I have, I have pondered, and I'm not sure that I, have, I still have the full grasp of what he's saying. But he told Timothy this. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart. Charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience and faith unfeigned. And one of the things that I've pondered in that passage of scripture, what was Paul telling Timothy? Number one, what is, the, what is the commandment that he references? What it, he said the end of the commandment, the goal, the objective, the purpose 
of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. And if I, if I understand, and I'm, I'm still, the thing that I grapple with particularly is what command he's referencing. He says in the initial verse, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, and it seems to me that likely he's not referencing that. And then he tells Timothy, I left you at Ephesus. I left you at Ephesus and I gave you a charge. And I suspect it's either one of those two commandments, either the fact that he, he gave him, he told him, you go to Ephesus, and he gave him a charge that they teach no other doctrine, and I'm not going to read that, that, that sort of thing. But may I suggest the essence of, the, of what Paul was telling Timothy, and you pastor friends particularly, what he was telling Timothy, in all that you do, as you combat error, false doctrine, as you, as you preach sound doctrine, and so on, the overriding objective of all of that is that you show love. Love is the objective. It's the ultimate objective. It doesn't matter what you do as a pastor. The overriding objective of all of that is that you are to demonstrate love to your people. And by the way, I'm focusing on pastors because Timothy was a pastor and that's who Paul was writing to. But that is, that is true for all of us, pastor or not a pastor, in the ministry or out of the ministry. It doesn't matter. The overriding objective, after all, is that in all we do, we are to demonstrate love in our interactions with the people we meet. Number three, love is not only the, the love is not only the essence of true Christianity, love is also the defining characteristic of true Christianity. Not only is it the, the essence of true Christianity, it is the defining characteristic of true, true Christianity. And what is it, my friends? You know, uh, you know, I should turn there though. You know what Jesus said. In John 13, <clears throat> John 13 and verse 34, he says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one for another. The defining characteristic of true Christianity, the defining characteristic that you are a child of God, that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, is the love that you demonstrate 
in your church, in your community. <clears throat> and my friends, we have an extremely high standard. What was the standard Jesus set? As I have loved you. It's a little bit like the scripture. He that hath this hope purifieth himself even as he is pure. Isn't that an enormously high standard? And Jesus said you are to love. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another and the standard is, as I have loved you. One of my favorite verses from Revelation chapter 1. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. How much did God love you? And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Unto him that loved us and washed us from, his sin, from our sins. How did he do it? In his own blood. By giving his life for us. And yet the standard of our love for our brethren and sisters is the love that Jesus showed to humanity. My friends, are people attracted to this brotherhood? Because they see that there is fervent, godly love here. Or is this just a church like so many other churches in the valley? Number four. Love, divine love, is sacrificial. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He that spared not his own Son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? He that spared not his own son. Some years ago, we were in the Upper Peninsula, 
and it was in the early days of cell service. But somehow, somehow there was a message reached us. We were with a youth group, with our youth group. There was a message reached, reached us that someone had been killed in our home community. And the message came from my brother, and it was relayed through another individual. And my brother was wise enough to say it was none of the family. You know what went through my heart? Because we had some of our children with us, but not all of our children with us. You know what went through my heart and my mind in those few milliseconds until I heard that it was no one of the family? You know why that, why that, why that is? Because of the father's heart for his children or the mother's heart for her children. And you know something about that. If you're a parent, you know something about that. And yet it says here of God the Father that he spared not his own son, but he delivered him up for us all. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. My dear friends this evening, when was the last time you sacrificed anything for your brethren? But the love that God calls us to is a love that is sacrificial. I am willing to give and give and give as love demands of me. Somehow it seems like a longer ago than this, but just last evening, a week ago, we had a wedding in our home community, and at the wedding we got the news of the hostages in Haiti. And I knew, I knew that Brother Bob Stauffer was scheduled to go down to Haiti in October. And I've come to I've come to deeply appreciate Brother Bob Stauffer. And so we got home that evening and I called, I called his son Japheth and I said, did your, did your folks leave for Haiti? And he said, no. I think they were scheduled to leave on Monday. And earlier, back in September, I, we were up there and it was in northern Minnesota and, we, and they had they had gotten COVID, as far as they knew. I don't think they were tested. And because of the whole COVID thing, they were, their trip was delayed. Or they would have been down there. But you know what Japheth told me about his father? A man about 70 years old. He said that his father said, I wish that I could be down there and take the place of one of those younger families. I, I deeply appreciate Brother Bob Stauffer. He is a man that, if service calls, he's ready to go. 
be it preaching here or preaching there or whatever he can do to, to advance the kingdom of God, he's there, he's ready. And he's ready to sacrifice for the kingdom of God. My friends, divine love will always be sacrificial. Number five, love is the fulfilling of the law. Uh, you may, you may want to turn with me to Romans 13. Verse 8 says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. You have one obligation to your brethren. And don't... <laughs> I, you know, I know people talk, people look at this and they talk about, they talk about, well, about money and debt and so on. That's a totally different discussion. The Apostle Paul said, you have one obligation to your brother, and that is to love him. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this... Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. How many of you struggle or have struggled with sin? Um, is, is that something we struggle with? So sin is what? Okay. <laughs> I'm, think, I'm thinking particularly of what something the Apostle John said. Um, sin is the transgression of the law. Okay. So we struggle with sin, and I'm... I'll just throw this out there. Sin, sin is a transgression of the law. Love is the fulfilling of the law. So why do we struggle with sin? What, what's the conclusion? Because we do not love God and our fellow man as we ought. Is that right? If love is the fulfilling of the law, sin is the transgression of the law, our problem, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but that actually comes, I think, from, uh, oh, I think it's J.C. Wenger in his introduction to theology. So how important is love? One of the things that struck me recently, though, is that phrase, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Love does not. Love will never do anything bad to the individual that he loves. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love is not negligent, lax, or permissive but astute, sincere, 
and earnest. Love listens, love cares, love forbears. Love speaks truth, and perhaps redundantly, it speaks truth in love. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 4, Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. I would close this evening in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2. Now unto the angel of the church at Ephesus write, verse 1, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience. And for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. But this thou hast, verse 6, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. But, nevertheless, in verse 4, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. And my friends, note what Jesus says. He gives the indictment, and then this is what he follows up with. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. My friends, the last... 18 months, as we talked about this morning, the last 18 months have brought change. They have brought, it, uh, they have brought difference of opinion. It has brought divisiveness. And I wonder tonight if Jesus Christ is not calling us to go back and do the first works. Do you really love God? Can you really honestly say that you love that brother that disagrees with you? And you will note that Jesus said, unless you repent, he said, I'm going to come and I'm going to remove your candlestick from you. My friends, you can continue on. 
You can go on and on and on with church. But if the Spirit of God is not working among you, what good does it do to have church? And if you have lost the very essence of true Christianity, which is love, love for God first of all, and then love for your fellow man, what is the use of church? And I said at the beginning of this message that I've been convicted myself because it is easy for the push and shove of the last 18 months for, the re for relationships to become strained. And maybe I would rather just avoid and go around certain brethren. I would rather not confront them and greet them and bless them. Is that possible? Except you repent. Jesus told the church at Ephesus, I will remove your candlestick. Let's pray.